Well, markets are in turmoil again today. US equities have fallen even lower. Crypto is taking a big hit. Bond yields actually down today. There's clearly an enormous amount of uncertainty in the markets, except with the US dollar, of course, that just keeps going up. It's US CPI tomorrow. It would be nice if that showed signs of easing off a little, but the evidence is suggesting that won't be the case. We'll look at where we are right now and maybe what comes next today. It's the morning call from NAB. It's Tuesday, the 10th of May, 2022. Good morning. Well, the share market continues its dive this morning. Look at this, another 4.3% off the NASDAQ, 3.3% off the S&P 500, and 2% off the Dow. The Russell 2000 down over 4.3%. It's not just tech taking the hits this morning. Banking stocks aren't doing well. All commodities, perhaps because we're seeing oil lower. A 6.4% drop in Brent crude, back down to $105. A 6.7% drop in WTI. Uh, back with equities, a 2.8% drop in the Euro stocks 50 and 2.3% off the FTSE 100. All that continuing those falls that we saw through Asia yesterday. But today... Bond yields are down. We've got a nine basis point fall for 10-year treasuries, four basis points for 10 years in uh, Germany and the UK. Yields down at the front end too, two years down 11 basis points in the United States. Whilst the US dollar has edged ever so slightly upwards again today, uh, we've seen a massive fall though in the Aussie dollar, down 1.7%. The Canadian dollar is down 1% as well, and the US dollar up 0.4% on the Swiss franc. Most other currencies, only minor moves this morning, and Bitcoin falling below $32,000, so half what it was at its peak. So what is happening here? Taylor Nugent joins us from NAB in Melbourne. It's more of yesterday, isn't it? Except, of course, bond yields have switched direction today. So what is shifting the sentiment? What is the sentiment that's driving all of this? Because, obviously, we've still got uh, significant risk off, you know, particularly when we see such a massive fall in equities this morning. Yeah, very, very interesting. As you say, just kind of a, a continuation of what we've seen over the last couple of weeks in, in the equity markets, if, if not more so. Um, and then, yeah, um, bond yields in, interesting as well. So US 10 years actually moved, moved higher up to, up to kind of new cycle highs around 320 earlier and then have just ground lower from there and ended up, you know, a little bit lower o- over the day, as, as you say. And it really looks to be just kind of the same, the same weighing of the, you know, the same key, key risk factors, the, the kind of you know the the storm clouds that are brewing over the the global growth outlook, how how China manages the implementation of of lockdowns and how that feeds through into into the global growth outlook, and then those kind of ongoing risks around around Russia and and um, the energy market space and all of that has has ended up being weighed potentially the concerns about you know global growth outlook and and the demand side across that energy complex has has kind of won the day a little bit more today potentially with the with the difference between. Um, What's happened in yields and and what we're seeing um, on on the other side in equities because yeah within that equity market price action interestingly energy market and um, energy the energy sector has um has been one of kind of the worst performers as, and as you say um oil prices down as well well I, I, it it's the other risk factor of course is central banks isn't it are they going to go too far are we going to see a recession are we going to see demand destruction I mean, because you'd be thinking rising interest rates would be good for banking stocks but they've taken a hit too as well which would suggest that they you know there's concern that it's not going to be a soft landing. A soft landing is a myth. There's going to be recession, and obviously that's not good for banks or for anyone. I mean, whether it's recession or whether it's just a, a, a period of protracted slow growth or, or or negative growth. I mean, stagnant is the word, isn't it? Really, I think. Yeah, yeah, a, a, a very challenging outlook. And I think I think part of the question here is how much how much are central banks going to need to do to slow growth, and how much are some of these other kind of risk factors that um, that we've been talking about going to kind of you know do their job for them to a 
certain extent and so how how that kind of balances out is certainly the key well yeah question. and does anyone really know the answer because it feels like the perfect storm doesn't it we've got rate rises we've got uh, supply shortages it's hard to see how you get through this without significant demand destruction which means uh, negative growth i mean how do you find a safe haven in a situation like that, which is a guess why we're seeing all asset classes all over the place. I mean, it seems like the only place you can stick your money is in the US dollar, which, you know, is just keeps on going up. And certainly in terms of comments from from central bank speakers overnight, there's kind of been no no obvious change in tune. So not, not too much in the way of commentary, but from the BOE, we had Saunders kind of making the case for a more a more front-loaded policy reaction in order to kind of guard against um, the, the potential need to do more later in, in case inflation expectations do kind of run away, but certainly kind of still highlighting that contrast to, to where the discussion is in the UK compared to the US, noting that although they voted for, for 50 basis points last time, that doesn't automatically imply a 50 basis point hike in the future. Um, and then out of out of the US, we had um, the Atlanta Fed's Bostick making making comments that are kind of, you know, broadly in line with what we've already heard from Powell, kind of emphasizing that, you know, 50 basis points a meeting is still a fairly aggressive move um, and doesn't see kind of 75 basis points under active consideration. But then, as you say, kind of pointing to the uncertainty in the outlook, kind of still framing that the, the kind of, you know, the first task is to get to broadly around neutral, which he sees as two to two and a half. But then from there, it's really much about kind of waiting and seeing what's happening about the appropriateness of moving into restrictive territory at that stage. Yeah, which seems more and more likely, doesn't it? Unless, of course, we see inflation numbers going down. Uh, that would be we could do with that right now, couldn't we? We've got these CPI numbers for the US middle of the week. But ahead of that, the New York Fed survey of inflation expectations by consumers I mean, what do they know? It's, it's only their money. Uh, they're showing that they expect inflation to be 6.3% over the next year, 3.9% still in uh, in three years' time. They're expecting gas, food and rent to go up almost 10% this year, which is sort of essential items, which you'd assume is going to impact uh, on uh, the spending on discretionary items, although we're not actually necessarily seeing that just yet. But that would explain why, you know, Amazon, Tesla and the like are feeling the brunt, brunt of this equity sell-off at the moment. Yeah, certainly, um, kind of no, no real, no real shift in that, um, in that survey of inflation expectations, as you say. So still kind of just hovering around very high levels. That, that three year expectation. So the one further out rose, um, to 3.9%, which is the highest it's been since December. Um, and that kind of nearer term estimate, the one year did soften a little bit, but, you know, small consolation given it was at a record last month. And that's kind of, you know, largely thanks to the, the fallback in gas prices since then. Um, but yeah, that's the that's really the uh, the only inflation news we've got ahead of um, ahead of the CPI, obviously later this week, which is going to be um, you know very closely watched and kind of expectations for the the headline rate there to to indeed kind of come off um, at the eight point five down, not move much. It was eight eight and a half percent, wasn't it in March? Eight and a half in but March. I mean, we've had, yeah, markets are looking for eight point one percent year on year for for April. And yet, you know, uh, look at China's exports. Uh, for April, three point nine percent growth year on year, actually down a little for the for the month of April. So we're seeing the impact of lockdowns, particularly in Shanghai and all the export ports there. And obviously, that's got global implications. And uh, you know that that you know that's that that could keep CPI higher for longer, couldn't it? 
Yeah, yeah. So the, the China trade data, really, the, the, the only macro data of note in, in the last 24 hours, and as you say, kind of saw a, a slowing in that pace of export growth to the um, the slowest pace in, in a couple of years at 3.9% year on year, and imports kind of broadly flat. And then under the hood of that, volumes of, of imports probably down, given the price impacts across the, the energy import space um, seen there. Um, and then, yeah, just in, interpreting that really, really clouded, as you say, by the, by the restrictions on on activity and how that's feeding into kind of the availability of of goods to export but then also trying to pass in that how much is actually just a, a slowing in in global demand or domestic demand separately from for the kind of the immediate lockdown impacts as well is another challenge yeah well the imports were down as well weren't they all were flat it's fair to say so the domestic ca- uh, economy isn't isn't moving at all but then I mean not surprising if you insist on locking people down they're not going to spend a great deal uh, you know the problem is that you know they they, they want to do more don't they the government wants to do more for the domestic economy but how do they do that uh, when they have all the, the restrictions in place so um, you know uh, we want stuff but not, they're not making enough of it and uh, they want to buy stuff but they're not allowed to go out and buy it, uh, it it's a perilous situation I don't know how we get out of it uh, look to add to the concerns uh, I'm wondering uh, just as a, a side story uh, I wonder whether we'll see demonstrations back in Hong Kong because they've appointed a new leader appointed by Beijing John Lee who was the security chief who led the the crackdown on the pro-democracy demonstrators just before the pandemic so I would have thought putting him in place is not going to be a popular move for Hong Kong residents so uh, another story to watch just to add to our woes I wonder whether that'll happen but anyway the uh, the lockdowns in China have taken some of the steam out of oil prices haven't they uh, down a little bit today yeah, so oil, oil prices down, and there's kind of you know a, a, a couple of things in in the background there, as you say, kind of the, the China demand outlook, a, a key one, but then also a little bit of movement on um, EU EU sanctions. So it seems like the EU is dropping a, a proposed ban on its vessels transporting um, Russian oil to, to third countries, um, but still kind of retaining um, other measures which would kind of prohibit ensuring those those shipments, which would make it make it harder. But it looks like there's a little bit of movement at the margin on just how strict those proposed sanctions could be. Um, and then on top of that, potentially also kind of playing into the mix. Um, we had Russia's victory day yesterday, and that seemed to to come and go without without too many too much fanfare or too many surprises. So mm. um, Putin there, um, you Blaming know, on the saying West. that it's the West's fault. You know, because that we were all about to attack Russia, uh, and so that's why he had to invade ukraine uh, unbelievable yeah so no no big wind down in in the rhetoric as you say kind of framing it as a as a preemptive action because of you know mass mobilization um that he he was citing but in terms of what what could have happened with you know some some speculation that could have been kind of you know a, a, a formal declaration of war to kind of move towards a mass mobilization or hmm. or some or some other measure um there, there certainly didn't seem to be anything as as headline grabbing as perhaps was feared no and you know the interesting thing is as well i mean we we get worried about uh, while that war's going on we assume we're getting nothing out of uh, you know we assume there's no wheat for example getting out of the country but actually if you look and uh, you know the wheat production is holding up reasonably well even though l- large areas of the country obviously are not producing anything there's still something getting out of uh, ukraine anyway today uh, retail card spending for new zealand and uh, nab's business conference numbers as well yeah, yeah, that's right. So they're the, the main things on, on, on our calendar. Um, our business confidence for, for April out, out on Tuesday. 
um, and then yeah, card card spending in New Zealand. Yeah, and uh, how Europeans are thinking about the state of play, or at least how analysts are thinking about the European situation. We got the the Zoo Economic Sentiment Index released later. Uh, of course, that's taken a real nosedive the last couple of months, from almost fifty in January and February, down to around forty, uh, minus forty in 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 March and April. Uh, I mean, I, I, I wonder how important these sorts of surveys, because we've also got the NFIB survey, the Small Business Optimism Survey in the United States. Uh, I wonder how important they these are right now because we we know sentiment isn't isn't looking great and it's not going to pick up until we see inflation uh, signs of inflation easing. Uh, yeah, yeah, that's right. It's a, it's it's difficult with you know to pass to pass out what's actually driving kind of movements in the headline results on these surveys at the moment. But given you know how many how many kind of uncertainties are out there, any kind of marginal update on on how analysts are, are looking at are looking at things in that zoo survey will be will be interesting to watch with kind of you know sentiment for the the eurozone um, pretty pretty important at the moment given um, given what we're seeing at the moment in, in Europe. But it seems like uh, really the markets have been driven by central bankers, doesn't it, over the last week or so? And we've got lots more of them uh, tonight. Uh, you could stay up all night and have them back-to-back. Kashkari, Waller, Mester, Bostick from the Fed, Saunders from the Bank of England, Louis de Guindos, uh, Vice President of the ECB as well. Uh, we do seem to be hanging off the words of central bankers right now. Whether they'll say anything new or not, I don't know. But we've got lots of them tonight. Yeah, a, a very, very full calendar of central bank speakers, as you say. And I guess... You you know, there's they're they're probably you know better better place than than many to to think about how they will conduct policy by kind of balancing between the the elevated inflation and the and you know the, the challenging growth outlook that's being faced. Um, but yeah, in in the scheme of things, just another an, another piece of um you know another piece to add to um, the puzzle of what is a very uncertain outlook. So how much clarity they can really provide is um difficult to difficult to know. Um, but certainly yeah, very very closely watched for for what they see as you know the the most appropriate way for policy to proceed in these circumstances. Right. Taylor, we've made it sound as clear as mud today, haven't we? But I mean, I guess the upshot <laughs> the upshot <laughs> is no one really knows where we're going right now, except for the fact there is so much uncertainty around, and there's certainly been plenty of that today. Good to talk. We'll catch you again soon. Thanks. Thanks, Phil. And that's it. That's the morning call for this Tuesday morning. I'm Phil Dobby for now. Back again tomorrow morning. I'll see you then. Thanks for tuning in.